Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. This is Family Sunday, so we're going to stay put this Sunday. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. This is going to start our series in the book of Jonah. So over the next several weeks, we will be in the book of Jonah. Um, So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to lay a lot of foundational work. And uh, for those who have uh, have heard me preach before, you know that I I like to lay the groundwork. I like to lay the foundational work, the background work. And so this morning, we're going to be talking a good bit about that. Because as we understand the background and as we understand the context of, of the book of Jonah, it's going to help us in the coming weeks to understand more about God. And, and really, isn't that the goal? The goal is in preaching. The goal is in reading the word of God that God reveals himself to us. And when we know more about God, when we understand more of who God is, that, 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 that overflows our heart into worship, right? And so the goal is to understand as much as we, we can about God, not just as much as we can about history and not as much as we can about context, our background, but understand as much as we can about the Lord, understand as much as we can about God. So we're going to be in Jonah chapter one this morning. And Jonah is one of the, one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. Now, not minor in the fact that they are lesser or not minor in the fact that they are somehow inferior, uh, but minor in the fact that their books are a lot shorter and the messages are a lot shorter. Uh, so Jonah is one of these uh, books in, uh, uh, in the 12 minor prophets, but Jonah is unique, as you can, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, Jonah is not like uh, the other minor prophet books. And the reason that Jonah is not like the other minor prophet books is for actually for several reasons. Number one, the reason why uh, Jonah is like, not like the minor other minor prophet books is that the minor prophets normally uh, are, are more are, are more of oracles of God. So the prophet hears from God. They 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 spread the message to Israel about Israel or about other nations. And that's really what the, the context of, of most minor prophets are in the Old Testament. Uh, but jo- Jonah is different. Uh, Jonah tells a story. In fact, the genre of, 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 of Jonah is more historical narrative than it is anything else. So we read it like a story. In fact, there's only one oracle, four Hebrew words long, in the whole book of Jonah. Jo- Jonah is four chapters long. And there's one oracle, and it's not even to the nation of Israel. So it's unique because Jonah is called to go outside of Israel to tell an oracle of God or the words of God to people who aren't of God. So it's unique in that aspect. It's unique and also in this aspect is that Jonah is really the only prophetic book in which the prophet in the book is mainly cast in a negative light. As we go through the book of Jonah in the next coming weeks, you will see that Jonah's a crybaby. <laughs> he's emotional and he's a drama king. All right, he's he's got a lot of drama built up inside of him, and uh, and and he lets it out in the book of Jonah. And we will see that he is really cast 
in a negative light. Now, Jonah is a familiar story to us, right? Uh, we have the people of Nineveh. God calls Jonah to, 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 to witness to the people of Nineveh, and Jonah runs from God. This is no new news for us, right? Uh, most of us in here, I would, have, I would venture if I took a poll in here, most of you, 99% of you, would probably know the, at least somewhat of the story of Jonah, Remember, Jonah runs away, and he gets swallowed by the whale or the big fish. He's inside of the, of the whale for what? Or the fish for three days, three nights, right? And then he gets spit up on into dry land. Another uh, unique thing about Jonah is Jonah is filled with miraculous things. It's filled with supernatural acts in the book of Jonah. So this story is very familiar to us, but I want to take our time as we begin to go through the book of Jonah so that we can understand, not just read the whole story. We could do the whole thing in one Sunday, uh, but I want to slow down because I want to, uh, we want to, we want to really look at some of the aspects of, of Jonah. So I want to give you some of the background of what's going on here. Jonah, uh, this is about, two, takes place about 200 years or so after King David. You remember King David, right? It takes place about 200 years or so after King David. The, the, the kingdom is split into two. The northern half of the kingdom is Israel. The southern half of the kingdom is Judah. Now, uh, Jonah is in the northern part, part of the kingdom. Okay, he's in the northern part of the kingdom. Now, there are some things that are happening here during uh, this king's reign. His name is Jeroboam the second, and uh, and, and the, the Israel, the, the 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 nation of Israel actually expands under this king. They get some more territory to the north. It's it, it's really a good time, and it actually is said to rival the pre- peace and prosperity time of King Solomon. We all know that King Solomon's time was a very prosperous. Uh, time uh, for Israel. And so it's a very prosperous time for Israel physically. But Jeroboam II is said to have been an evil king, a king that did not follow the ways of the Lord. So what's going on in Israel here at this time? Well, you have a lot of Baal worship that's starting to happen at this time. You have uh, worship of this cult that's called the Golden Calf Cult, especially in the area of Bethel um, uh, in, in, in Israel. You have worshiping of false gods. Now, what about the worshiping of the one true God? Well, the, in order to summarize the spiritual atmosphere and the spiritual temperature and spiritual gauge of the people in Israel here at this time, there would be a couple words to describe it. Spiritual apathy. It just, meh, eh. Don't really care about worshiping God. I'm going to come. I'm going to go through the motions. It's really this time of spiritual apathy. Now, I'm not one to spiritualize a text. And I'm not one to say, okay, Israel equals America. Um, or or, or uh, Assyria equals the United States. Or, um, um, you know, I, the, the Bible, I don't think, is, it, it's, it's unfaithful hermeneutics and biblical interpretation to, to always do that when you read Scripture. However, it is good to look and compare and to see what we, what, how we can relate to people in the, the Scriptures, right? So, can we relate to the spiritual apathy in our day? Yeah, I believe we can. I believe we can. And the reason why I say that is we are in this post, I, I don't know, are we post-COVID yet? Or are we still in COVID? Um, it's, it's kind of a strange season now. 
but we're kind of entering in maybe into this post-COVID era. And I, I have heard the, the, the common report I have heard really from every pastor that I've talked to, every church that, that I've talked about is that there seems like this 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 kind of feeling of a deflated balloon. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that? You know, like you just the air, all the air was just let out of you. You just don't have any more energy. You are you are you are you are kind of like ah. Uh, you get to the point where you're just kind of going through the motions. I know in my own personal life, I go through that. I go through. I'm just kind of going through the motions now. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Lord, I have four kids. <laughs> four kids. And, and I, I get exhausted all the time, right? And so, so it, this is kind of the spiritual temperature of Israel during Jonah's day. Just a spiritual apathy. And we can relate to this in the church. And this is all important because the main theme of Jonah, the main theme of Jonah is God's great mercy toward great sinners. God's great mercy toward great sinners. And so how does this, what does this have to do with spiritual apathy? Well, God is trying to get across. One message that God is trying to send in this book of Jonah is he's trying to send a message to Israel. And he's saying, look, if I save these foreigners, these wicked people, if I have mercy on these wicked people, how much more do you think I will have mercy on my own people if they would turn and come to me? The main theme of Jonah, God has great mercy on great sinners. And so as we come to the book of Jonah here, we're going to read Jonah chapter 1. We're just going to be in the first three verses today. We're with snail's pace today. All right? First three verses. We're actually going to start out by reading the first two. All right? So everybody look at this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. So God gives this command to, 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 to Jonah. He says, look, I want you to get up, and, and the language is get up now and go to Nineveh. So a little bit about Nineveh. Nineveh is not a city. That is in Israel, okay? If you haven't got that yet, it's not a city that's in Israel. Nineveh is actually one of those important cities and major cities in Assyria, okay? In Assyria, one of Israel's enemies here at the time. Now, the Assyrians were known for their brutality during this time. Their, 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 their uh, uh, is harsh brutality. In fact, even if it wasn't Family Sunday in here, I could not say all the wicked things that the Assyrians have, have done to their enemies and to human beings in this time because it's just way too grotesque. One of the things that they did take part in, though, was murder by dismemberment. That's one of the lighter things that they took part in, if you consider that light. Murder by dismemberment. Now, my question is this, is in this evil city of Nineveh, in this evil city of Nineveh, where they commit these atrocities like murder by dismemberment, uh, how does this relate to us in our day? Do we see anything like that? And I'm just trying to make these connections, these relevant connections, so that we can understand God more and how he relates to us. 
Do we see any connections like that today? Well, we're not going around capturing our enemies and dismembering them, right? But sadly, the victims of those are likely the unborn, right? That's the victims of that. So, I mean, in the womb, you have people that are being ripped apart. So really, that evil is not too far off from what we experience today, is it? God describes the people of Nineveh. In chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Look, there are more than uh, 120,000 people in this city who do not know their right hand from their left. And that, that, that phrase, the, they don't know their right hand from their left, is an idiom. And what it means is that they don't know right from wrong. Does that sound familiar in our culture today? Does that sound familiar in our society today? Now, is it, knowing, not knowing their right hand from their left seems like it would say, well, they look on, maybe that speaks of their uneducation or maybe that speaks of their, of their stupidity. But we can see sin today. And we can look and we can say, what? How do they get that? It's stupidity, right? I mean, calling good evil and calling evil good. And if in our society and culture today, would you agree that if you don't celebrate evil, you're looked down upon? If you don't celebrate the things that the world celebrates and lifts up, you're canceled. If you don't celebrate these things, you're done in society. I mean, just look at the month that we're in. Pride month, right? There's a reason. I had a conversation with somebody. I don't know, remember who it was. Maybe it was Dean, I think. But there's a reason why they call it pride, right? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? We have people who are calling men women and women men. And I read an article this past couple weeks I don't know how true it is. I don't know the validity of it, but I would not be surprised that in California they passed something that called a bee a fish. Anybody heard of that this week? That, uh, am I right about that, Tim? Okay. So this is, that's, he's fact checking me. All right. So called a bee a fish. And I'm like, that's crazy. But some of these things make you want to go, what? Like, what? Have people gone mad? Have people gone mad? Am I going crazy? In this culture, in this, in this society today, am I going, am I the one that's nuts? That, that people just don't call things for what they are? This is Nineveh. This is Nineveh. Back then in Jonah's time. They're calling evil good. They're calling good evil. They're celebrating evil. So you could see the direct correlation. You could see how it patterns for what we have today, right? You could see the increasing evil in our day. And you can see how Jonah is dealing with this and how God is dealing with this. And you can see Jonah's uh, or Nineveh's great sin in this. But what is God's response to this great sin? I want you to look again in verse 2. It says, call out against it. For the evil has come up before me. It's wrath, anger. Judgment. This phrase, their evil has come up before me, is another idiom. 
And it means, this is what it means. It means that their evil has been stacked and stacked and stacked like, like a cup. And the wrath of God, imagine a cup that's, 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 that's having water poured in it. And the wrath of God is flowing up in this cup. And because they keep uh, uh, doing evil and living evil, the wrath of God is going to spill out on Nineveh and spill out all over Nineveh. And they're going to come under judgment. This is what this phrase means. And, and what we have to realize is that, look, is, is, listen, God hates sin. He hates it. He despises sin. He does not look over sin. He judges sin. He has wrath against sin. Psalm chapter 5, verses 4 to 6. You just listen. You don't have to turn there. It says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. Psalm chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. It sounds like God is displeased with wickedness, isn't it? It sounds like God is displeased with sin. That God abhors sin. He hates it. Not just in a national level. Not just in a group level. But even on an individual level. God hates sin. And he hates it for two major reasons. There's plenty of reasons. But two major reasons why God hates sin is number one. It goes against his holy nature. Direct opposition to his holy nature. Excuse me. And sometimes we describe sin. And I've described sin like this before is a wall that separates us between, between us and God, right? And that's a pretty good picture, but I don't think it's a completely accurate, accurate picture. Sin actually does more than just is this wall that separates us and God. Sin actually turns us in opposition against God. It's like on a battlefield, you are in opposition against God. And this is what sin does. He hates sin. He abhors sins. And he will pour his wrath and his judgment out on sin. And he hates it because it goes against his holy nature. But the second reason that he really hates sin, too, is that he hates it because it destroys his creative order. It destroys his creative order. When you are in sin and when I am in sin, God looks at that and says, he he thinks, I hate that because it goes against me. And number two, I hate that because that's destroying them. It's destroying them. It's destroying their life. And when we stay in sin, and when we choose sin over Christ, we are choosing destruction over life. God judges sin because of his holy nature. And because God is a good judge, he judges it rightly. And we ask, okay, why can't God just look over sin? Why can't he just excuse it and, and that's it? Why does he have to pour wrath out on sin? Let me give you an illustration that I heard one time. If you, if, 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 if you knew of, of a man who was a serial killer and he, and he did a string of murders and he stood before a judge and the judge says, okay, well, you have all this evidence that's stacked up against you. The jury has, has, has deemed you guilty. But you know what? Just go ahead and go. You can go ahead and leave. It's okay. That would not be a very good judge, would it? That would be a horrible judge. And God is a good judge. When he sees wrong, 
He has wrath against wrong. He has anger against wrong. And he judges wrong. So God says, Jonah, get up now. Go preach to Nineveh and say that wrath and judgment is coming upon them for their evil. I want to look at Jonah's response here. You all know it. You all know Jonah's response. But we're going to read it anyway. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's here in Israel. Up here in Assyria. I'm doing, I'm doing the mirror thing for you guys. All right. So it's difficult for me. <laughs> All right. So up here in Assyria is Nineveh, about 550 miles away from where Jonah is presumably at. Over here, 2,500 miles away, across the Mediterranean Sea, is Tarshish. He is running a far ways away, all the way across. Now, Israel is on the extreme eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. He's going all the way across the Mediterranean Sea to Tarshish, to what would be the southern tip of modern-day Spain. He is running that far from the Lord. Jonah says, not me, not me. <laughs> I'm not going, not me. You know, I walked into in, uh, the guest room, uh, or a little room that we have upstairs, we call it a guest room, but a room that we have because we, we stuff our kids all in two rooms. <laughs> and so I walk up into that room, and, uh, and the lamp, you could tell that there was something off with the lamp upstairs. This was several weeks ago. And it had been broken. You tell it had been broken, but someone tried to put the pieces right there together. You know what I'm talking about? Someone. So I call all four of my children in. And I say, hey, just be honest with me. Just be honest with you. Your parents ever do that to you? All right. Or you ever do that to your kids? Just be honest with me. I'm not going to spank you. I'm not going to do all that. I just, just be honest with me. Who broke the lamp? I, I get a resounding from all four of them. Not me. Not me. Not me. Right? And I go downstairs, uh, you know, a few weeks later, whatever, see writing on the wall with a permanent marker. <laughs> Call all four children in there. Hey, who, who did this? Uh, just be honest with me. Who did this? Well, what do you think they said? Every one of them. Not me, not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. All right. I, 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 I go to the, to the end table by the bed and open up the, uh, a drawer. And there is just in that side of that drawer just stuffed candy wrappers, cheese wrappers, uh, uh, chips, everything like that. You ever have that experience, parents? It, it, you, you see that stuffed in there. I call all four of them in there. Who, who did this? Who's, who's rappers? Not me, not me, not me, not me. I walk in just a couple days ago. You'd ask Levi this. I walked in a couple days ago and, uh, in, into the living room, cushions all over the living room. I don't know. They're building some kind of fort. A mess, huge mess all over the floor. I called all four of them in there. I said, who did this? What do you think the answer was? Not me, not me. I said, man, I said, if I ever meet that guy, that person, not me, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind because not me comes in and he messes up the house all the time. 
This is how Jonah's like. Jonah says, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach against Nineveh. And he says, not me. Whoa, not me. I ain't going. And he takes off the other way. Here's a question that we have to ask when we read this passage of Scripture. Here's a question that we have to ask is, why does Jonah leave? Why does Jonah leave? He can't run from God. God is omnipresent. Why in the world does Jonah run? Why doesn't he just say no and just, or just ignore it? Why does Jonah run? Well, you would think that Jonah is trying to run from God, that he's being dumb. He is being dumb. But he's not running from God because as we see throughout the, the, the book, and we will see in the coming weeks, Jonah actually has pretty good theology. He actually has really good theology. And he talks about, as he's in the whale, that God is everywhere, that God is, that, that God is omnipresent. He talks about the goodness and the mercy and the justice of God. So I don't think that Jonah is running because he thinks that he can somehow run away from God. But he runs because he runs out of Israel because he knows that that's where he's going to hear from God for, from, in God's land. He runs from that from the presence of God, from before the face of God, the Hebrew says. And isn't that like us just sometimes? So we get into sin and we neglect our intimate time with the Lord. Because we know that if we spend intimate time with the Lord, we're going to, at least I do sometimes, we're going to feel a little bit bad. <laughs> or, 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 or we neglect getting into the presence of God because we don't want to hear from God. <laughs> to be quite honest, we don't want to hear from him. But that is not the attitude to have. And Jonah, he takes off and he runs 2,500 miles to get out of the presence of God. And notice, notice the language here. He goes, he gets up and he goes down to Joppa, which is a port city. And he goes down into the boat. He's descending. And that's, that's on purpose by the author. And, and God, what's the first words that God says to him? Get up. Go up to Nineveh. When we are in disobedience to God and we were in sin against God, we descend. <laughs> We go down. It's like a pit of misery. And we don't want to enter that pit, pit of misery. So why is Jonah not so adamant about not going to Nineveh? We're going to find the answer here in another question that we're going to ask. Why doesn't God... It's always good to ask questions. When you're reading scripture, to really understand the text, ask questions. Ask good questions. So here's a question that I had whenever I read the scripture. Why does God even need Jonah? He doesn't need a middleman. Just cut out the middleman. If Nineveh has built up his wrath, why not just destroy it? Why even tell Jonah about it? It's not, a, it's not in Israel. It's not a part of God's people. Why, why, why tell Jonah about it? Why not just destroy it? The reason why God doesn't just destroy it is because God is a God of great mercy. God is a God of great mercy. Look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, and we find the real reason that Jonah runs. Jonah 4, verse 2, he says, And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is this not why what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah did not want to see these Assyrians, these wicked, brutal Assyrians 
come under the mercy of God. He didn't want to see it. He didn't want to see God give them mercy and save them and be kind to them. But the, the Lord is kind. And he's merciful and he's slow to anger. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses he made us alive together with Christ. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23, says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope. In him, God is a God of great mercy. And we have a call like Jonah. Let's connect the dots. Don't we have a call like Jonah? God gives us a great commission. He says, go to the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, for all this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to himself, and now he gives us the, the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God sends us as ambassadors to Christ to reconcile people unto God. So the, the point is, is don't be like Jonah. Don't run from what God has called you to because you don't want to see the God, God's mercy and acting on people that you don't necessarily like. Now, in our day, our culture is evil. Our society is slipping. We talked about that earlier. Our society, our society is becoming more and more evil. And who sees it in here? Do you see it? Do you see the society Slipping into more evil. Do you desire to see our society, our culture, our nation, do you desire to see it turn around and turn to God? I'm tired and miserable when I think about all the sin that's taking place all around me. I have to watch what my, what my kids watch on TV, I have to be, to be very selective about what my kids hear, about what my kids watch, about what, who my kids come in contact with. All because this world and society is becoming more and more evil, like Nineveh. But the world will not know Christ and turn to Christ because we put a Twitter feed up. And the world will not know Christ because of a Facebook post that we put up or Facebook comments that we argue with somebody. The world will not turn from their evil and turn to Christ because of us donating all our money to a particular political party. The world will not know Christ because we picket and we protest. Now, I'm not saying that those are bad things. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't take part in any of those things. But the main thing here is the world will know Christ and turn to Christ by the message that we preach. By the hope of the gospel that we bring to them of a great, merciful God when we preach that great gospel to great sinners. The question is, are you sharing that great gospel in your life to the people in the world around you? 
And for many of us, the answer is yes. And praise God. But this message is meant to challenge us. You know, I, I, I talked to Brother Jerry about, Brother Jerry Bass about uh, this, this, this sermon preaching in Jonah. He said, I'm praying for you. Jonah is one of my favorite books. And he said, he texted me and he's, it, I just was wowed by this text because I didn't, I, I didn't really put all the dots together. He said, he said, did you know, he said, just a, just a, just a, something to, to pique your interest and something to, 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 to let you know, did you know it took longer for Jonah to turn to God than it did for Nineveh? Let that not be said of us, of the church. Because sometimes we are in spiritual funks. Sometimes the air is deflated out of our balloon. Sometimes we can experience this uh, 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 just ap- spiritual apathy. But where's our passion for Christ? Where's our excitement and our zeal for the church? Where's our excitement and zeal for the word of God? Where's our excitement and zeal for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I'm encouraging us as a church. I'm encouraging us as a body of believers to, get, to, to, to rekindle that passion and that zeal and that excitement about the word of God. Because the world will not turn to know him if we are deflated balloon. Revival doesn't happen in the world unless it happens with the, with the people of God first. And the only way that the people of God will be revived is if we turn to him, not just as a church, but individually. And seek his face and be intimate with him and have that intimate relationship with him and desire him and pray, God, restore my zeal, restore my joy, restore my excitement and my passion for you. Will you do that this morning? Maybe you're here. Maybe, maybe this, is, this message is, is, is hitting you. I just haven't been as passionate about God lately. I haven't been as passionate about the church lately. I haven't been as passionate about, about the things of the Lord lately. God wants you to be that way. He says, look, I will have mercy if, on you, and I will give you grace if you just take that step in that right direction, and you seek my face. Some of you might be in here and, say, and think that, that, you know, I haven't been as, 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 as passionate about sharing the gospel of grace, the gospel of a merciful God to people in my circles. Well, praise God. God is, is dealing with you about that. Maybe you should, you should come up with a plan and, 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 and do that. Or maybe you're in here and you're saying, well, I haven't experienced that merciful God and I'm in sin. Well, praise God, because God is giving you an opportunity to repent, just like he did in Nineveh. And as we will see later in Nineveh, Nineveh does repent. And he, he stays his hand, and he's merciful to them. Would you seek God? Would you be intimate with God? Or would you run like Jonah? I encourage us not to. Don't run like Jonah. Run toward God and what God has for us. Amen? Let's pray.